For the past two weeks as a church family, what we've been doing is we started walking through the book of Philippians. The first week of the series, you heard from Pastor Ed. Last week, you heard from Pastor Don, and they took you through the first 20 verses of Philippians. Today, I want to take you through verses 21 through 25. But before we look at these verses, I want to give you a little background on what really is happening in Philippians, because I think it's necessary that we get some good context of what's happening before we really even dive into this book. First thing I want you to know is Philippians isn't a book, it's a letter. It is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in Philippi. And one of the big things I love about this book is it is a book about joy. All four chapters in, the, in this letter to the church in Philippians, all four chapters mention the word joy or joyful at least once. And it really leads me to this theme that I believe is the the kind of the book of Philippians, the letter of Philippians is all about, is if you center your life on Jesus Christ, you can experience joy. That's what I think this letter is trying to communicate to us. And something that's important to understand, especially as we look at these five verses today, it's important to note that Paul is not writing this letter to the church in Philippi from a plush five-star hotel. As Pastor Don mentioned to you guys last week, Paul is writing this letter from prison, but not necessarily a dungeon. Paul is writing this letter from house arrest. He's chained to Roman guards, and he's doing this, and as he's doing this, he's writing this letter. And to really get a good understanding of the book of Philippians, you actually need to look back at Acts chapter 16. And I want to encourage you this week, go read at your table with your family, Acts chapter 16, because Acts 16 is really where this church starts. And it begins to give you some understanding. And I'm not going to read all of Acts 16 to you today, but I do want to read two verses, Acts 16, 9 and Acts 16, 10, because in these verses, Paul has a vision. This is after the Holy Spirit had spoke to Paul in verses six through eight, where the Holy Spirit had spoke to Paul and told him twice, do not go further into Asia. Paul didn't know why he couldn't go in to preach the gospel in Asia any further, but the Lord had a plan. And so in verse nine of Acts chapter 16, Paul has a vision and this vision that Paul has impacts you and I today. And you say, how does a vision that Paul had impact us? Well, let me show you, let's read it. In Acts 16, nine, it says, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And you say, Pastor Chad, how does this verse have anything to do with me? Well, here's how. The reason I say this verse impacts you and I is if Paul had not gone west If he had continued to go east into Asia, I wonder when would the gospel have spread to Europe? And when eventually would it have spread to the United States of America? But because Paul said, yes, the gospel spread west, it made its way into Europe. Eventually, it's made its way to us. Now, this church in Philippi is the very first church that Paul founded in Europe. This is the first church he founded in Europe. It was around 50 or 51 AD. And in this church, there were many non-Jewish people. The Bible calls them Gentiles that were saved. The 
first one that we see saved was a woman by the name of Lydia. And, the, and many people believe that Lydia, her home is actually where this church actually started. So we have many Gentiles, non-Jews believing in Jesus. And this becomes a young, thriving, flourishing church that Paul is blessed with and they are generous toward Paul. And so Paul is writing this letter to this church in Philippi here in the, in the letter to Philippians or the book of Philippians. He's writing this letter to them and he's thanking them for their encouragement and their support. But he's also writing to encourage them and tell them, hey, even though things might look dark, God is still in control. And in the midst of this storm, we can find joy. And so that's what Paul is doing here in Philippians. That's what's happening in this letter. And so I just wanted you to have a little bit of background of what's taking place. And so I want you to pick up in chapter 1, verse 21, and listen to here. For to me, this is Paul speaking, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor to me, yet what shall I choose I don't know? I am torn between the two. I desire to, be, to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, Paul says, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Now, verse 21 is where I want to spend the majority of my time today. We're gonna to look at the end of the message at verse 22 through 25. And I want you to hear as I've dug into this letter and dug into these words what I believe the Lord is showing and trying to speak to us today. But I want to start with verse 21. It starts off with this, for to me, everybody say me. me. From the very onset of this letter, Paul wants his reader, the audience to know that for him, this is personal. For him, Jesus is everything. And Paul is stating, regardless of what anyone else is trying to do to me, regardless of persecution, regardless of chains, regardless of what the world says, regardless of what people around me might say, for me, it is imperative that everyone knows that Jesus is supreme to me. Jesus is not just something I do every once in a while. I'm not just going through the motions. For me, Jesus is everything. This is serious business for Paul. And he says, for me, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Now, this is a very serious and heavy statement from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. For me, to live as Christ and to die is gain. In fact, I believe verse 21 is the central verse of this entire letter to the church in Philippi, but I also believe this is one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. I think that this verse clearly defines who Paul is, who he was, and what Paul was about. And I believe if we are going to be disciples of Jesus in 2023 and beyond, this verse right here, verse 21, should shape and define us as well. I think this should become a foundational verse in all of our homes, in all of our lives. I think this should become a motto that we slap everywhere for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I think we need to have this mentality. But as I said just a moment ago, I think it's important that we remember where these words are being written from. Paul 
is chained to Roman guards here. These guards are not his friends. So it's one thing to stand up in the middle of church and say, for me to live as Christ, and it's another thing, be chained to Roman guards and to say the same thing. It's important to remember, these aren't his friends. Paul is literally facing life and death. So when we look at this verse, I think we need to understand that. And when we look at this verse in 21, I think it would be easy to say that most of us understand the second part of this verse when we say to die is gain. I think we know what that part means better than the first part of this verse that says to live as Christ. Let me say that again. I think we better understand as Christians today what it means to die as gain than what it means to live as Christ. To die as gain is pretty simple for us. It means as a believer, I get to be with Jesus. It means as a believer, I finally get to enjoy heaven that I've talked about since I was a kid. And I get to realize that it is a gain. Philippians 3, we're going to look at later in the series, but when I sent the notes into the team, they're like, you sure you're talking about Philippians 3 today? Yes, I do want to hit on this real fast. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 shows us this is gain. There's far more to this life for us. We're citizens of heaven. We're waiting for the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like, our, like his own. What's Paul saying here? It is a gain to get heaven. And I think we understand, for the most part, this verse. Death as a believer is not the end for us. It is the beginning. And that is only possible because of Jesus. We, we aren't going to be made into another person. We aren't going to be reincarnated. We are going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven, and that's only made possible because of Jesus. But I have to admit to you, when I read this, I realize I'm not as spiritual as Paul because I don't want to die. I literally wrestled with this verse. I started really wrestling with this verse on an airplane coming home from Africa as I started realizing I've lived more years than I probably have in front of me. What do I mean by that? I'm 47 years old. I'll be 48 this year. I probably have more living behind me than I do in front of me. I don't want to die. Yes, I want to be with Jesus. I want to enjoy heaven. I want to enjoy my family that has gone on before me, but I also want to see all my kids get married. I want to meet all my grandkids. I want to meet my grandkids. I want my great-grandkids. I want to grow old with Tasha. So maybe I'm not as spiritual as Paul, but I can say I think I understand what Paul is talking about when he's referring to die is gain. But while we're living and breathing on this earth, we can't, I want you to hear me, while we're living and breathing on this earth, we can't get so focused on the second part of this verse that we forget to live for Christ. And I think this is where a lot of us as Christians miss it. We get saved and we think we have our ticket punched so that we can gain heaven and then we start living for ourselves. Let me say this again. I think what happens with a lot of us as Christians is we think we have our ticket punched so we can gain heaven and then we start living for ourselves. But that is the exact opposite of what we're called to be as Christians. Years ago, a study was done 
um, about some of the most radical fans of different NFL teams. In this study, a young man was interviewed who was a huge fan of the Green Bay Packers. And I know we have some Green Bay Packers fans in the house. And uh, during this interview, this young man said, I live for the Green Bay Packers. He said, if it promotes the Green Bay Packers in this world, I will do it. He said, if it doesn't promote the Green Bay Packers, I will not do it. He went on to say, for me, everybody say me. For me, the question in everything I do is always this. Does this promote the cause of the Green Bay Packers? And when I read this, my first thought was, man, this dude is committed. I thought I was a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, but I'm not living my mind with this mentality, right? At least it's the Green Bay Packers and not the Dallas Cowboys. But anyway, that's a whole different message. But the truth is, even though this fan is deeply committed, like many of us today, he's deeply committed to the wrong thing. He's living for the wrong thing because he says, if it promotes the Green Bay Packers, I'll do it. If it doesn't, I won't do it. He's living for the wrong thing. Among the ancient ruins in Carthage, there is an inscription carved by a Roman soldier that says, to laugh, to hunt, to bathe, to game, that is life. Contrast that statement and the interview with this young man who is a fan of the Green Bay Packers to the words of Paul, and you'll see the misunderstanding or the wrong way of living that's happening. Paul is saying this, I don't know how things are going to turn out. I don't know if I'm going to live. I don't know if I'm going to die. He says, I'm in prison. My trial is coming. I don't know if I'll be found guilty. I don't know if I'll be executed. But Paul's saying this, but if I'm executed, that's good. Because I get to go and be with Jesus. But he says, if I somehow survive... That's okay too, because I get to continue to be with you. I get to continue to preach Jesus. I get to continue to see people's lives changed. I get to continue to plant churches. But Paul, what he's saying here in verse 21 is no matter what happens, whether I live or die, Paul's saying, I want it to be known for everyone that I live for Christ. Jesus is my ultimate goal. He's my reason for living. I want him to be known and to, and I want to make him known for to me to live is Christ. And I wonder today if I were to sit down with every person in this room and every person watching online, and I were to ask this question for to me to live is What would we put? For me to live is... I want us to honestly think about this question. I know we would be tempted, especially if you're sitting down with your pastor, to be spiritual, and we would be tempted to say, for to me to live is Christ. Bull. Right? Is that our mentality? 
We would be tempted to say that Jesus is my focus. Jesus is my everything, just like Paul said. Jesus is my reason for living. But if you were 100% honest, what would you say? What would how you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure say? Better yet, if I was to be able to be a fly on the wall and observe your life for an entire week, what would how you live your life every single day say? To live is what? To live is to gain as much fame and popularity as I can. To live is to accumulate as much stuff as I can. To live is to be the best athlete that I can be. To live is to be the best student that I can be. To live is to travel as much as I can and see as much as I can. To live is to laugh. To live is to party. To live is to shop. To live is to hunt. To live is to have sex. To live for me, myself, and I. What would we put? I think this is a serious question that we need to sit down and wrestle with. This is why I think this is one of the most foundational, important scriptures in all the Bible, because I think we need to sit with this. We don't need to rush through this question, and we need to say, what is it for me to live for? For me, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think this is an important conversation you need to have with yourself, but I think this is an important conversation you need to have with your family. And I think you need to sit at your table this week and have a serious conversation and say, for us to live is what? What is it? What are you living for? What are we living for, church? If it's anything less than Jesus, you need to repent. If you're living for anything that's less than Jesus, you need to repent. Well, Pastor Chad, I'm just living to, I'm living to make a good living for my family so they can enjoy life. If that's what you're living for, you need to repent. Jesus is looking for people that will go all out for him. And this is what Paul is saying. In fact, this week, I want you to sit down with yourself, your family, your wife, your kids, your friends, and I want you to assess where you are. And I want you to have this conversation. I want, I want Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 to be a prayer that we quite often pray as a church. When the psalmist said, search me, O God. Search me and reveal to me anything in me that doesn't look like you. And Paul said, and David said, if there's anything in me that doesn't look like you, remove it so I can live the life you've called me to live. So this week, I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to sit down by yourself and say, search me, oh God. Am I living for anything other than you? If so, then Lord, I repent. But I don't want you just to sit down with yourself. I want you to sit down with your family, your kids. And I want you to pray this prayer. Search us, oh God, and reveal to us. Because you see, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That's what Paul's saying here. But I don't want us just to stop there. There's so much more in these verses, what I think these verses do, these five verses, is I think they reveal to us what Paul is trying to say to us 
to live as Christ means. And there's two things I see from these five verses that I believe Paul is trying to show us to live as Christ means. The first one, we've talked about it with verse 21. But for me, to live as Christ means that Jesus needs to become your focus, your goal, your calling, your reason for living, and your ultimate desire. If Jesus is not your ultimate desire in this life, please hear me, you need to repent. You see, one of the verses I didn't bring out in this, but is Jesus says, if any man wants to be my disciple, he must lay down his life. He must take up his cross. He must deny himself and follow me. You see, I think we understand the die part because we want to get to heaven, but I don't think we understand the live part because we still want to live for ourselves. And I think when we're living for ourselves, we're living for the world. And if we're living for the world, we're not living for Jesus. We're living for a different master. And we don't like to say this, but we're living for the devil. For to me... To live as Christ. I think the first thing that Paul is trying to say to us is that if that's going to be your statement, Jesus must be your ultimate desire. But there's a second thing that I think Paul is trying to show us, and it comes through the next four verses. And this is a part you maybe never thought of for living in Christ, but to live in Christ, number two, means that we live and to love and serve others. How do you get that, Pastor Chad? Well, let's look at what Paul says in the rest of these verses. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Paul says, if I am to go on living in this body, meaning after I've stood before the Roman authorities and the evidence is presented, if my life is spared, this is what Paul is saying here. If I go on living and breathing, this will mean fruitful labor for me. What he's saying is here, this will be good. It'll be good if I go on living because what he's saying is I get to continue carrying the gospel. I get to keep working for you. This is what Paul is saying here. If I continue to live, it's good. But I want you to notice, Destiny Church, there's a wrestling match that's happening here with Paul. Paul says, look at the end of verse 22. So he says, if I go on living and breathing, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But what do I choose? What do I choose? I don't know. That's what Paul's saying here. And I can't help but wonder when I read this, did Paul and Jesus have like an agreement? Like could Paul, have, could he have literally tapped out at any time? Because he's saying, what do I choose? I, mean, I don't think he had it. I think he knew that ultimately he really didn't have a choice. If he was gonna continue living for Christ, whatever Jesus, whatever happened, happened. But Paul's like, what do I choose? I want you to hear this wrestling match that Paul is having. He says, I, I, don't, I don't know. What he's wrestling between is, am I going to choose life or am I going to choose death? And I want you to see this. Let's look at the, continue on verse 23. Paul says, I'm torn between the two. Another translation says, I am hard pressed. I don't know what I want. When Paul says he's hard-pressed, the picture here is a Greek traveler on a narrow path with a rock wall on either side, and the only way he has is to go straight ahead or to retreat. 
What Paul is saying is he has life on one side pressing in and death on the other side and he is in a vice grip in his own mind and he doesn't know what to choose and what he's doing is he's being transparent with this church in Philippi and he's saying, hey, I don't know. Do I live or do I die? I don't know. And he's just being transparent with them. He's being transparent of his struggle. And I want you to notice the next part of verse 23. He says, I desire, everybody say desire. desire. I desire to depart and be with Jesus. Now I want to tell you something. As you are going through Philippians as a family, when words like desire jump off the page at you, you need to look up those words. What does this mean in its original language? Get you a Greek and Hebrew Bible. They're easy. They, have, they give a number to them. You can go to the back of the Bible and you can look. What does this word actually mean? But this word desire means intense longing, strong affection. Paul is saying, I deeply desire, I have strong affections or strong feelings that I want to depart and be with Jesus. And then the notice the next thing he says here in this verse, I de- desire to depart and be with Jesus, which is better by far. This isn't language we would use in our world today. Have you ever said it's better, which is better by far? You don't say that. But this is strong language and what the Apostle Paul is doing here is it would almost be like you saying, it would be okay for me to depart and be with Jesus or it is best. It's the difference between good, better, best. That's what he's doing here is he's stating it is best for me. I want you to hear this wrestling match. Once you hear it, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what's happening here in just a moment. But there's this wrestling match between him and his calling. But who could blame Paul for thinking it's better to go ahead and be with Jesus? Again, for me, I don't want to die yet. I want to see my family grow old. I want to grow old. I'm going to look old. Tasha's going to be 70 and still looking young, but I want to, I want to be the one that people walk around. Is that your daughter? Yes, she is. I want, that's, that's my desire, right? But Paul, he's single. So we can look at it in that sense. But listen to me, I'm free today. I'm not chained to anyone. Paul is chained to Roman soldiers. So I can understand why this man would say, it's better for me to depart and be with Jesus. Why? Because it's a way out. So I want you to hear this wrestling match. It's not only that he gets to be with Jesus, but it is an escape. But notice verse 24 and 25. Notice the the shift that begins to happen. But it is far more necessary for you. Everybody say you. I want you to compare this statement. It's far more better for you than the statement in verse 23, which says, far more better for me. See this wrestling match? It's like a tennis match, and the ball's going back and forth in Paul's mind. Me or you? Me or you? Me or you? It's this wrestling match. For me, emphasis on me, it's better that I go and be with Jesus. But for you, it's far more necessary that I remain in the body. And Destiny Church, here's what I want you to hear. This is really what Christianity is all about. It's not about me. It's about we. 
What's better for we? You see, I think we get the die as gain part down because we're selfish and we're living for ourselves. But you see, if we really get the to live as Christ part down, we're not only going to live for ourselves, we're going to truly begin to live for others. And that's what this is all about, to live as Christ, to die as gain. This is his wrestling match. But here's, the, here's like the fresh revelation I feel like the Lord put in my heart. This, this to live as Christ, to die as gain, it boils down to the greatest commandment. Boils down to the greatest commandment, to live as Christ. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Paul in Philippians here, I think he's alluding to it. I can't prove that, but I think he understands this. To live as Christ means, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what to live as Christ means. But it doesn't just stop there. To live as Christ, as we see Paul wrestling with, doesn't only mean to live as Christ means I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I keep living for me. To live as Christ means I also live and love others. And that's what discipleship is. That's what it all boils down to. To live as Christ means I live for Jesus and I live for others. And this is ultimately what Paul chooses, verse 25. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress. Everybody say progress. progress. Advancement. That's what he's saying here. You remember last week, Pastor Don talked to you guys about that word progress or advancement when Paul was saying, I'm in these changes really for the advancement of the gospel. This is the same word, same thing, same thinking here. It's for your advancement in your faith. This is a wrestling match that Paul is having. Do I go and be with Jesus and escape this world or do I continue to fulfill my calling? And Paul says, I'm going to do what I'm called to do. And as I close today and the worship team can return, I want to tell you guys, this verse has deeply, deeply challenged me this week. Like, probably not like any verse has in quite some time, any set of verses. I have really, these verses have convicted me I talked to Pastor Mark. For those that don't know, Destiny Church is one church, multiple locations, and we have a second campus in Marshfield, and Pastor Mark is our campus pastor there, and he and I talked this week about how these verses have challenged us. And it's made me realize, man, I don't know if I've been getting it right all the time. And I had to literally sit down, and I sat in my office yesterday, and I, and I posed this question to you all, for me to live as what, fill in that blank. Well, yesterday I sat in my office for multiple hours and I just had to wrestle with this. For me, Chad Blancet, to live as what? To live is to live for myself? What does it mean? For me to live is for my ambitions, my dreams, my goals, my fears, my family, this church. What am I living for? I mean, I, my lack of patience, what am I living for? 
And I came to the conclusion yesterday that whatever it cost, however many years left I have on this earth, I no longer want to live for me. I want to live for Jesus. And you say, you're a pastor, and I am, but I think as you continue to grow in your faith, you find yourself with shortcomings, and you have to make changes, and you have to make adjustments on the fly. I'm better today than I was when I was 25, but I want to be better when I'm 48 than I'm 47. So for me, the conclusion is, whatever it costs, I want to live for Christ. I want to make disciples. I want to imitate Jesus. I want to make Jesus my priority every day. I want to sacrifice whatever it takes because for to me, what's important is Jesus. And I want to ask you today, can you say that? Can you say that? Is Jesus number one? Can you, like Paul says a little bit later, I consider it all loss. One translation says, I consider it all poop that I might go on knowing Jesus. Can you say that? Destiny Church, is Jesus your ultimate desire? Is Jesus your everything? Is he your Longing Is he your affection? Is he the supreme thing in your life? Is he who you want to live for and make known and be known by? Or is he just something you have as your way of gaining heaven? You see, I don't want to get so focused on the second part that I forget the living part. I want to live for Christ. And Destiny Church, I'm asking you to join me. If he's not your reason for living, let me ask you this question, why not? And if he's not your reason for living, the most important question is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it?